Well, well, well. Welcome back to the Travel Brand Podcast. I am you, Winton. I hope you are well. I'm doing all right. I had another job interview on Friday. It was one of them job interviews that I really like. It was one-on-one. And after a few minutes, I felt like I turned it around to where I was interviewing him. I was asking him a whole bunch of questions. And I felt like I had him right in the grips to where I needed him. In fact, he was telling me, Hey, this is my first job interview, and I really like you. I, 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 I like you. I think you're honest, and I think you're... And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you feel so wonderful and fuzzy inside, why don't you just hire me now? But no, he's going to check on some of my references. He's going to call some of my old bosses and see if I, uh, you know, cut the mustard, as it were. It's another corporation, but it's a smaller company than where I was at, so... If I get in, I think it'll be a fine, fine fit for Patman. So I'm driving to the store the other day. I was going to the mall because I wanted to get my earrings put back in because I had them removed for one of my other job interviews because they didn't like piercings. Well, I had them put in and they're staying in. I'm not going to be somebody else's somebody. I'm going to be me, man. I'm going to be who I am. I'm not going to hide my tattoos, or hide the fact that I have my ears pierced. It's just my ears, man. It's not like my lip or my nose or my eyebrow or my cheek or or whatever. You know how them body piercings are, man. People are kind of freaky. That's all right for them. So anyway, I'm going to the mall, and I'm going to pull in, and there's a woman that's walking to her car, and it's the only parking spot in this little tiny area. She sees me sitting there waiting. She jumps in her car. And I can see from where I'm sitting that she breaks out her phone and she's texting. Whilst I'm sitting there waiting. I'm thinking, okay, maybe she's just checking her phone. See if she got a, you know, a notice or whatever. And she keeps going on. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's done. So then she puts her phone down and she reaches up and she's adjusting her mirror. And I could have swore I saw her putting on some makeup. But then she takes her phone again and she's texting again. Then she puts it in reverse and I could tell because the lights in the back came on when you go in reverse. And she sat there and did this for, I don't know, a good five minutes. And I don't know whether you know it or not, but I do suffer from what they call a little bit of road rage. I get very, very temperamental sometimes when I'm in my vehicle. Very impatient. My wife will tell you, He's bad, bad, bad sometimes. I'm not above giving the finger. I'm not above saying, F you, man. So I sat there and I waited. She finally pulled out. And you know what I noticed? Now here's another one of my pet peeves. She had a motherfucking dream catcher on her mirror. Her rear view mirror. Now, I'm one of them Indians that believes in certain things that the Indians did back in the day meant something. Meant something that was important to them spiritually. So a dream catcher is this. They made them to put above the children while they slept to capture the nightmares in the webbing. And the good dreams would trickle down, fall down through the feathers into the baby and give them wonderful, wonderful dreams. Not bad dreams. So... My thinking is this, if you're driving a car, you best not be sleeping 
and trying to catch them dreams. Dream catchers are not for your car. No, no, no. If you see this happening, people, you need to say, hey, that their dream catcher is for catching dreams, man. It's not there for you to idolize and show and, and say, oh, it's so pretty, though. It's so wonderful and pretty. We need to hang it from the mirrors. No, you don't. Just stop doing that. If you want to hang it in your baby's crib, that's okay. But it has meaning. It's not just for your adoration and entertainment. And if it was made in some kind of factory by some little child over in India or Japan or wherever, it's not authentic, man. Keep it real, folks. Some of us Indians do appreciate some of the history that we have uh, brought to this world. Thank you. And speaking a little bit about road rage, how about these knuckleheads that won't let you move over and merge over into the other lane, even though you've been flashing your signal for a good half mile, and it's only a 20-foot space you're asking for, and they won't let you in. That pisses me off more than anything. I'm trying to get over the other day, and there's this old knucklehead, some hillbilly-looking redneck, and he just won't let me over, and finally I get over in behind him somehow, and then a couple hundred feet later, he slides over into the left lane. Oh my God, I was so pissed. I was trying to give him the finger, but he wouldn't look over at me because he knew he was being a turd. An old turd. Come on, man. Have a little more consideration for your fellow driver. It's not much. It's 20 feet. So we had Mr. Trumpy Dumpty get on the uh, wall subject, and now it's a national emergency, folks. Now... I don't have a problem with building a wall, dude. It's a wall. It's not a big deal to me. In fact, the Indians in the plains were fighting them Mexicans for thousands of years to keep them down there in Mexico. I've had a few Mexican friends say that, yeah, I'm an Indian. I'm like, from where? You see, I'm from Chihuahua. I'm an Indian from Chihuahua. I don't understand it, but okay. Wouldn't that make him a native Mexican? Anyway, so he's really hell-bent on getting this wall built, which is fine, but make sure you take the money from the right place. I mean, they appropriated something like $25 billion for wall security. Take some of it out of there, man. It's not that big of a deal. But don't declare a national emergency, for God's sakes. It's not like we're being invaded by aliens from outer space. They're aliens from Mexico and all the other countries on the planet that are trying to get here illegally. That's my biggest thing, is they're here illegally. I don't have a problem with people coming here, man. Do the right thing. Get your papers. Do the right thing. I work with some Hispanic guys, and they've shown me their fake IDs to work in this country. And I've been at the grocery store where there's Hispanics in front of me, and they've got a grocery cart heaping full of groceries, and they're breaking out their food stamp card. And their spouse will be behind them with their cervezas. I remember growing up as a kid, the food stamps would come in the mail in a big old envelope. Big old fat pack and you'd have to break it out like dollar bills out of the out of the uh, little envelope thing. Nowadays you get a card and you go down there, it's like a goddamn debit card. And you go down there, you could be any Joe Blow. I worked with a guy who got food stamps and he, as soon as he would get the food stamp card, he would sell it. For half off, and say he was getting two hundred bucks, he'd sell it for a hundred, and the little Mexican was buying it. He tried to get me to buy it, but 
I was too scared. I'm Mr. Paranoid. I can't do stuff like that without looking guilty. Growing up, I was always the one that got caught. I got got right away. And my mother always knew when I was being facetious, when I was lying. If I got caught lying, I would get the slap across the face. Not the one that just, not just a little tap. These are the ones where you would see stars. You guys know the ones I'm talking about. One time I get home and my mom's standing at the sink doing dishes and she had them rubber gloves on. You know the ones. And she asked me, why didn't you do the dishes today? You're supposed to do the dishes every single day. And I stood there and I looked at her. And I think I said, because I didn't feel like it or something. And she smacked me so hard with them wet rubber gloves. I had a big red mark on my face and I saw white. I think I almost fell down. I almost blacked out, man. She was pissed. So needless to say, I did my best to do them dishes every day. So I've been spending a little bit of time on the Twitter. And I've noticed that there's a lot of Indian people on there complaining and laying down a lot of remarks about the white settlers. Well, I got news for you. It's already been settled. And it's been settled for a long time. In fact, here's a little bit of news for you. Back in 1843 in Oregon, which means in the Shoshone words, river to the west, they would allow the settlers to receive up to 640 acres of land for free. All you had to do was homestead it for something like 18 months and it's yours, baby. But they did change the rules in 1853 where you could get only 160 acres, but if you're married, you can get 320. And are you ready for this? They would have to pay $1.10 per acre. Even in today's money, that's like 25 bucks. The thing about the 1843 deal was you had to be an American citizen to do this. And guess what, people? The Indians weren't American citizens. They weren't allowed to own land, even if they had the money They couldn't buy it. Now think about that for a second. You weren't even allowed to buy it if you were an Indian. But if you were any other color, you could buy it or homestead it. There wasn't even a treaty signed in 1843. They were just doing this while the Indians were being killed and shuffled off to their reservations. You guys hear about this little thing called a measle breakout up here in Washington State? By golly, the measles are breaking out. There's something like 55 or 60 people that got the measles now. Oh, should I feel bad? I feel bad for the kids because their parents were so ignorant they didn't take them down and get their inoculations. So now they're catching measles and they're spreading that shit around just like they did back in the middle 1700s. It's a proven fact where they were giving the blankets to the Indians that were infested with smallpox so they could eradicate them. It's written in word where the British would say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to gift these blankets to the Indians. We're going to make them feel like we are their friends. And we're going to give them this disease. Now that was the beginning of biological warfare. People worry about biological warfare now. It's already been done, baby. They started that shit with the Indians back in the 1700s. And it went on and on and on. In fact, between 1837 and 1870, 
the Lakota Indians had four different epidemics that practically wiped them out. And if it weren't for that, the Indians may not have been defeated in the Indian Wars. So yes, people, that was the beginning of biological warfare back in the 1700s that lasted a couple hundred years. So, we have a little measles outbreak and everybody's going to panic, man. It's an epidemic. The governor's going to panic and freak out. It is what it is. Take care of your business. You ignorant people out there that don't take your children down to get a shot because you think that your God is going to save them from it. No. God has already given man the ability to create vaccines to save you people. Take your kid down there to get the shot. Get the goddamn shot. It's kind of like when that dude was lost in the ocean and a helicopter and a boat come to save him. And he says, no, I'm going to wait for God to come save me. God's going to save me. And he gets to heaven and he asks God, God, why didn't you save me, man? Why didn't you save me? And God says, hey, you dumbass, I sent you a helicopter and a boat. So all you knuckleheads out there that think God is going to save your child from catching measles, unless you get the vaccine, you got another thing coming. How many people out there are of the same opinion that people, humans, are like cattle? Have you ever noticed that they follow each other around? Like, take for instance, this new tunnel up in Seattle. Thousands of people wanted to walk through the tunnel, ride their bikes through the tunnel, run through the tunnel. It was a real big thing on the news. The news channel, every channel had something going on about it every day, every night. It was a really big, big thing. And in the very end, the most amazing thing that was said about it, there was a little girl there. She might have been seven years old. She looked at the camera guy and uh, the interviewer and says, I don't know what the big deal is. It's just a tunnel. And I laughed. It's true. That was the most newsworthy thing to say. A little girl standing there shrugging and saying, I don't know what the big deal is. It's just a tunnel. So after that was all said and done, all those people said that and did that, there was still a traffic jam going into the tunnel. And now they're going to start tearing down the viaduct. And that's another thing. They had thousands and thousands of people on the viaduct. I think it's a part of history part of Seattle history. I remember as a child riding in the car back to Bellingham over the viaduct, man. I was a kid. It's a part of history that's going to be gone. Gone forever. And you have people saying, oh, I'm happy to see it go. I'm happy to see it gone. It was an eyesore. Whatever, man. How many billions of dollars did we spend in taxpayer money to build a tunnel that we're all going to have to pay for to drive through? It just doesn't make any sense. I'll stick to I-5. I'm going to touch briefly one more time on the homesteading. It was the same laws applied to Washington that applied to Oregon. So you had all those people coming up here, homesteading before there was even any treaties, taking the land. I think we should sue the federal government. Not sue them for money, because that'll never happen. We'll never get reparations. But sue them to rewrite the history books and tell the truth. Tell the truth about Chris Columbus and how he never set foot on North America. Tell the truth how the Spaniards came here and massacred the Indians, cutting women's breasts off and playing catch with them, cutting men's genitals off. Tell the truth. If you tell the truth, it might set you free, baby. We are getting even, though. Some tribes are getting even with the casino. One slot machine at a time, they're getting their money. But that's just some tribes. 
Not all tribes are blessed or fortunate enough to be close enough to a highway or a city to get enough traffic to make any money. My tribe is way off the beaten path. There is a little small casino which probably doesn't show any profit at all. But at least they have something. Maybe a thousand years from now, there'll be enough traffic to make money. But it won't happen in my lifetime and probably not my children's lifetime. But if I could win that super lotto, if I could win the big one... I would open a casino in Port Angeles, not on my reservation, but in the city. That's where we would get it back, too. That's what I would do. The Puyallup Indians over here in Puyallup, Washington, they got it. They got it going on. They got this huge casino that they're building right now. Right now, they're going to shove it to Mr. White, and Mr. White's going to have to accept it. I've been to that casino a few times. And they do have a lot of traffic. There were times I drove by at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work. And there's probably 200 cars sitting in the parking lot. 5 o'clock in the morning, man. That is some serious dedication to your gambling addiction. Staying there all night, all day. Mm. I used to play a lot of cards. And I love playing Texas Hold'em. I remember one time I went to a casino and played... Texas Hold'em for 22 hours straight. I only made like 400 bucks. But I was, I don't know, on a poker binge, I guess. Unfortunately, that is one of my downfalls. I have that, uh, what they call, compulsive behavior. When I get to gambling, I have a compulsion to keep going. And going, and going, and going. Like that rabbit. Like that little pink rabbit. I could play Texas Hold'em solid every day. But unfortunately, I don't have that bankroll. You see, to play poker every single day, to get in legitimate games, and legitimate I mean like at least an 8-16 game, because if you're playing in a 2-4 or a 3-6, you got a bunch of knuckleheads in there that'll play anything and they'll suck out on the river and take your pot. You can have pocket aces and play all the way to the river and get snapped off by two pair, like four and seven, and it really does piss you off. So if you play in at least an 8-16, I like to play the 2-5 spread. Now that's a game you can make some serious money on, but unfortunately, like I said, I don't have the $30,000 bankroll to do that every day of my life. So I need to get back to work. And hopefully everyone... I will get that return call this coming week and I can go back to work, go back to supporting my family and doing what I do best, work. I hope this sixth episode reaches you well. I recently read where 80% of podcasters don't even get to their 10th episode. Well, I'm going to get to at least 10, baby. But I need your help, people. I need you to spread the word. I need you to get it out there. I'm getting a little bit better at this each and every time. So, if you want to be one of my followers, keep on listening, spread the word, try to get other listeners. I've had like 120 downloads, which I guess isn't bad, but I was hoping I'd have at least a 1,000 by now. Anyway, folks, I hope this reaches you well, and I hope you have a great week. I'll keep you updated, and remember, uwinton.elwa at the Tribal Brand Podcast. Peace.